Are all sins equal in the eyes of God? Is murder greater than lying? Do all sins carry the same punishment? Will there be degrees of rewards and punishments? Is it right to categorize sin? We'll talk about that in today's episode, so let's get started. Welcome to the American Christian Podcast. I'm your host and producer, Pastor Joseph Oster, where I'm bringing life clarity and common sense to today's issues, all from a biblical perspective. If you find this podcast useful, encouraging, or informative, would you consider subscribing on any of your favorite podcasting platforms? As always, I want to say a big thank you to those who have donated to the American Christian Podcast Ministry. Your gifts are always appreciated and used to continue the work of the ministry. If you feel led to contribute even a small amount to the ministry, you can do that by visiting www.americanchristianpodcast.com and click on the donate button in the upper right-hand portion of the page. As always, any gifts to the podcast ministry go back into the ministry to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, growing up in a pastor's home and being in church since nine months before I was born, I've always heard Christian people say that no sin is worse than another. All sins are equal in the eyes of God. One mistake and an unfortunate trend in many parts of the contemporary American Christian church is this propagation of Christian cliches that are neither Christian nor true. And one of these is this very idea that no sin is worse than any other sin. Sin is sin, they say. Well, before I discuss some problems with this view, I first want to point out what is right about it. It is true that because God is perfectly holy, he detests all sin. It's not as if God takes murder seriously and then gives a wink and a nod at theft. God is morally perfect and his heart is grieved by all sin. We should expect no less from a morally perfect and holy God who's worthy of all of our worship. God's perfect character requires that we abhor sin as well. As followers of Christ, as people who aspire to exemplify his character in our daily living, we should pursue holiness, and we should avoid all sin. It is true that no matter how great or small, all sins separate us from God and require forgiveness of Christ. The consequence of sin, any sin, is spiritual death. All sins leave us in need of redemption. James chapter 2 and verse 10 through 11 tells us, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of breaking the whole law. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not kill. Now, if you do not commit adultery, yet you kill, you've become a lawbreaker. You know, simply put, that scripture tells us that if we break just one of God's laws or commandments, it's the same as if we broke them all. So in that sense, yes, all sin separates us from God, and we needed Jesus to die as a substitute for our sin. But that does not mean that all sins are equal in his sight in a sense of consequences or punishment. It's clear that there are degrees of wrongdoing. The idea or belief that murder is morally equivalent to stealing a pack of gum, that's absurd. For example, the level of harm is vastly different. If someone steals a pack of gum from me, that's not good, but I'm not dead. <laughs> Hello? I mean, the right to life is fundamental. It's the most important right we possess. So murder is a morally worse act than stealing gum. The two actions are not morally equivalent, nor are they the same in the eyes of God, all sin does not have the same effect. There's a strong biblical case that can be made against this claim that all sins are same in God's sight. Let's read Matthew 23, verse 23 through 24. It says, Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You tithe mint and dill and cumin, 
but have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, and mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. You blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Well, in this passage, Jesus rejects the claim that no sin is worse than any other, and he told them that justice and mercy and faithfulness are more important than giving tithes. And just for the record, he's not talking here about social justice, but that's a podcast for another day. The point of this passage is that the scribes and Pharisees focused on lesser matters of the law while neglecting the more important. Jesus did not hold that all sins are equal because his teachings here directly contradict this view. In Luke chapter 20, verse 46 through 47, Jesus teaches that there will be some people who will receive a greater condemnation or punishment than others. The scripture reads, but we'll be, <clears throat> the scripture reads, beware of scribes which desire to walk in long robes and love greetings in the markets and the highest seats in the synagogues and the chief rooms at feasts, which devour widows' houses and for a show make long prayers, the same shall receive greater condemnation. Well, who did Jesus have in mind when he warns of hell's greatest levels, so to speak? Well, we might think it would be Hitler or Stalin, but instead Jesus tells us that it'll be the most respectable religious people. In this passage, it was directed at the most religious teachers of the law. In Matthew 11, verse 21, it says, Woe to you, Chorazon, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have been repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it is more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who is exalted toward heaven, will be brought towards Hades. For if the mighty works which have been done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable, tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Wow, he says on the last day that the judgment will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon and more tolerable for Sodom than it will be for citizens of these Galilean cities. You see, Tyre plundered Jerusalem after Babylon laid it to waste, and you can read that in Ezekiel 26, but it's better to be a citizen of Tyre on Judgment Day than to be a citizen of Coruscant. Sidon sided with Tyre over the destruction of God's chosen city in Isaiah 23, but it's better to be a proud uh, Sidonian on Judgment Day than to be a member of Bethsaida. The men of Sodom nearly battered down Lot's door in order to commit homosexual acts with these men. But, but he says it's better to be a Sodomite on Judgment Day than to stand with the city of Capernaum. As far as we know, Corazon, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, they were not renowned for their wickedness. They were smaller Galilean cities, and they were neighbors to Nazareth. But Capernaum was even Jesus' own city during his ministry, and the residents of these places were likely synagogue-attending, law-memorizing, Sabbath-keeping Jews. So how could they possibly outdo Sodom in sin? Well, it was for one simple reason. When they witnessed the mighty works of the Messiah, God's own son, Matthew eleven twenty says they did not repent. You see, the worst sinners in the world are not necessarily those who live in rank debauchery, but they're those who go on sinning when they have every reason and every opportunity to repent. Tyre, Sidon, and Sodom, for all their wickedness, lived and died in gospel darkness. Coruscant, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, they saw the gospel's blazing light through the person of Jesus Christ, and they quietly closed the curtains and rejected Jesus Christ. 
It makes sense that because not all sin is the same, that there's going to be degrees of punishment and reward. In fact, in Matthew 16 and verse 27, it says, For the Son of Man shall come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay every man according to his works. How many of you know that there's going to be some who have greater works than others? Some people have dedicated their lives to the service of Jesus Christ, while others, they give the bare minimum in their service to the Lord. Throughout the New Testament, the scripture even talks about five different crowns that will be given to believers, but not every Christian will receive all five crowns. It stands to reason that if there's greater rewards in heaven and greater punishments in hell, then all sin cannot be equal. Where we all equal is at the foot of the cross. The Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and come short of God's standard of perfection. There's forgiveness in Jesus Christ for all sin except for one, which kind of brings me to my last point. If all sin is equal, then why does Jesus tell us in Mark chapter 3, verse 28 through 29, that there's an unforgivable sin? He says in verse 28, Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they speak. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal condemnation. Simply put, there is one sin that's greater than all others, and that's the sin of rejecting Jesus Christ. A person cannot reject Christ as Messiah and enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, if you're still breathing today, you can have forgiveness of your sins. Amen. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. He says, come to me. Jesus says that. No matter how many years someone has merely dabbled with the gospel, no matter how many opportunities they've trampled, no matter how many sermons or exhortations they've despised, Jesus says, come to me. He invites those who rival Sodom in their evil, and he invites those who compete with Capernaum in their apathy. He invites those who have blatantly hated him all their life, and he invites those who have quietly rejected him. You see, Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart. He does not delight in the death of the wicked, according to Ezekiel 33, but he delights when the wicked, after long years of refusing him, finally come ready to repent and find their rest in him. Not all sins and not all sinners are the same, but they all have the same remedy, and that's the Savior who came, who lived and died and was resurrected again so that no one feels the weight of their guilt and they need finally to go to hell. I hope this teaching has been helpful for you. And if it has, would you consider sharing it with someone who needs to hear the gospel? If you'd be interested in partnering with the American Christian Podcast so we can continue to deliver biblical truth, you can donate by visiting www.americanchristianpodcast.com and click on the donate button in the upper right-hand portion of the page. If you'd like to stay connected, please like, friend, or follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at josephoster1. That's josephoster and then the number one. And you can also email me at the American Christian Podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, remember 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 that says, Be sober and be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walks around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Until next time, God bless you. <laughs>